Eric Langhoff, you work in corporate video production. Uh, what sort of videos do you typically make and for typically what sort of clients? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we do three main different types of videos. So the one is kind of your standard uh, typical corporate videos. So you have, you know, talking head announcements, um, you know, customers facing, sales facing, uh, messages from executives, sales leaders, even sales individuals uh, to provide that personal connection through video. Uh, so that's one of the main types. Uh, we also do a lot of explainer videos. So, you know, animated 60 to 90 second short videos that utilize motion graphics to convey high level topics uh, in an easy, simplified way. So these work really well for product showcases, uh, talking through services, subscriptions, uh, things like that, just to help you know communicate those messages. And then the third type is really around live events and virtual events over the past year and a half. Uh, so we've been creating you know, a lot of content for live streams and things like that to engage our customer audiences uh, you know, real time uh, when we can't you know, be with them in person where we typically would have been in the past during you know, live events and such. So we do that for both our internal organization uh, as well as our partners, our vendor partners that work with our uh, company to kind of help you know, help them communicate to their customers as well. So what size company are you working in? Yeah, so it's a, it's a Fortune 100 uh, technology distribution company, uh, you know, focused on bringing technology products to market. Uh, so it's a large organization and we work with, you know, a lot of the main, you know, IT distributed, you know, vendors that you would hear, Microsoft, Cisco, Apple, uh, you know, we work with those organizations uh, to communicate to their reseller partners. Have you got a typical budget that uh, a client or so when you have clients, would your clients be departments within your organization or would they be external clients as well? And is there a typical uh, range of budgets that you work within? Yeah, so, you know, we do work uh, in both scenarios that you just described. So internal departments that really falls under the corporate video category. Uh, so, you know, they'll come to talk about and inform about, you know, new products, services, offerings that they have. And then we also work for the external uh, vendor partners who, you know, come to us much like you would to a traditional agency uh, looking for video support and development. And, you know, on those different projects, it, it really is just a drastic range, you know, internal projects where it's just talking head, you know, we can do with the resources we have internally of no cost. And then of course, you know, we have high, high level, high budget projects uh, for our vendor partners uh, that, you know, expand from virtual reality and 360 experiences that are a totally different scale than uh, like a 60 to 90 second explainer video. Are clients often surprised at what a video costs to produce? I think it depends on the, the client. So, you know, if you're working with the, the larger organizations who, you know, have significant marketing budgets, you know, they, they're not surprised at what a video will do. And they also see the ROI that a video will bring to them, uh, particularly as they look to their products and services. In some cases, selling one product pays for the entire video itself. So it makes it for a really good ROI. I think where you see people being surprised is when we work with uh, smaller partners or small businesses 
to, you know, where they don't have as large of a marketing budget. Maybe they don't even have a video strategy when we first meet with them. Uh, and they need to try to kind of understand how they can maximize their marketing dollars that they do have to get into video. So I think it just depends on the size and scale of the, the organization and their marketing budget. Uh, but we see both sides of, of the coin on that one. Do clients often try to uh, uh, reduce, cut down costs or to, in a sense, barter the budget with you? And, 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 and typically, if they do, what are the things that they're, that they're willing to go without in a production to get the costs down? Absolutely. That's a great question. Um, you know, I think, of course, everybody likes to negotiate and talk through pricing. Um, I think it depends on which type of video you're looking at. So I'll take one, for example, the animated motion graphics explainer videos. With animation, it's, you know, very detail oriented and every single frame has to be designed and it has to be brought into, you know, the animation software. We use After Effects. And of course, that's keyframe animation, you know, one by one, of course, it takes a lot of time to develop. So on those types of projects, if we're going to pare it back or reduce the budget, we have to reduce the duration of the video because of the amount of labor that goes into it. So a lot of times we'll work with a client and say, right, let's really boil down. You may provide you know, three pages of documentation of what you want to include. That's not going to all you know, fit in a 60 to 90 second video. So what if we could boil it down to one key point for your audience and that'll make it resonate more. It'll be more memorable. And then from a budgeting perspective, you know, reducing that from 90 seconds to 60 seconds helps significantly when it comes to, you know, animated explainer videos. Now on the flip side, if you're doing video production, uh, you know, things we can cut back on are, you know, special effects, lighting, you know, graphics, overlays, things like that. And sometimes those will actually work really well because then they just become more personal, uh, you know, one-to-one -one type videos where uh, it's really more about the message and the person delivering it uh, than all of the fancy things that go into it. So video can really be scaled from anything from, you know, just a quick, quick snippet that you record on your phone, which is really successful from a sales perspective to, you know, high budget commercials and motion graphics and explainer videos and things like that, that do cost more money. So I think as you build out your video strategy, layering in those different types of deliverables can help you really maximize your, your marketing budget and the amount of content that you can get from what you're, you're looking to do with video. Oh, there's so much I want to ask you uh, in what you just said there. Uh, when you're working with a customer, uh, you said that if they could get their three pages of, of content down to maybe a 60 or 90 second message, how important is that and how much time is wasted in the production process with clients coming without their clarity of message? Yeah, clarity of messages is really critical. I think, you know, we always like to ask for as much as you can up front, give us the kitchen sink so we can really understand your business and understand the concepts. Uh, but then we, we really sit there and work with the client to understand what the message is. So dissecting those three pages, for example, and trying to highlight the key points, figure out what those main messages are and what will work well in video format, you know, and what type of video format you're trying to do. For an explainer video, you know, some things work really well. And then for talking head videos, some things work really well where you can have a more personalized approach of a person talking and maybe getting a little bit more detail into the, the nitty gritty. So, you know, as we look through explainer videos, what we've seen across an average of a, a huge number of explainer videos is that audiences really start to fall off around that 76 to 80 second mark 
in the business to business space when they're really interested into into a product or service. So we try to get those key points narrowed down to it. And it's almost like being a, a doctor. You're really just kind of asking questions and discovering through the information that they provided to find what the real problem is or what that real business outcome is for the, the customer who will ultimately be watching this video. And by finding that key point, it just helps that video resonate a lot better with them. Do you get much pushback from your uh, clients when you're taking them through that process? Because uh, you know clients come in and and all their their information, their product, and all the specifications and the benefits of it, that's their baby. And when you come in and you go, well, you know, listen, uh, out of those twenty points you've given me, we're just going to use three. Uh, do you get much pushback on that? So again, I, I would say this one's twofold. And you know, being an in-house kind of production arm, uh, we work with the same kind of clients and vendors over and over again. And you know, over time, we've established a relationship to which we trust them and they trust us. So as we provide that guidance, uh, you know, it works the same way internally as we do corporate projects. As they, as we provide that guidance, you know, they listen, they take that feedback. Of course, there's there's changes within any kind of creative deliverable, uh, but you know, there's not a ton of pushback of condensing the message and trying to, you know move it and manipulate it kind of based on uh, getting it down to that 60 to 90 second point. Um, some of the newer organizations we work with, and specifically the ones that I mentioned earlier, the ones that are smaller and don't have quite as much of a video marketing budget, you know, they want to cram everything they possibly can in one video uh, to maximize that the amount of, uh, you know, the budget that they have for this project. And, you know, ultimately it's, we do get pushback on those types of projects because they are trying to just put so much information in it. Uh, and, you know, we have to just really do a lot of education, uh, consulting and guidance to show, you know, how from a viewer perspective, too much information can really just be overwhelming. Um, and as opposed to, you know, making sure that you hit the key points and, you know, you leveraging series of videos uh, or leveraging, you know, different tactics can also help get those messages across. So a lot of times we'll suggest, uh, you know, utilizing other things, perhaps you're leveraging a, a downloadable infographic at the end of the video to get some of those extra points across, because uh, then you've gotten the people's attention with the video and can deliver a little bit more information through an infographic or a white paper afterwards. So there's typically ways to negotiate and work with them to uh, make sure that all the content that they want is conveyed. Uh, it's just kind of figuring out the best way to do so uh, with the medium and of course the budget that you have. Is there room within your organization for traditional uh, high production video and then a more uh, authentic uh, employee generated video? So typically, you know, like, you know, a video shot on your smartphone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, you know, we have the gamut of videos just being a large organization. So uh, we, my team specifically focuses on the stuff that is more highly produced, uh, you know, longer lead times, bigger budgets. And we've also equipped, you know, sales individuals uh, and, you know, people who would be customer facing with the capability to record videos on their own, just to be able to get quick messages out there without having to need the production time. We have, you know, we've partnered with Vidyard. We use Vidyard for our video management. And as such, you know, we use GoVideo to be able to do quick, you know, quick videos that they can record on their own, almost like a video voicemail, send it out, give a customer an update, be really personable and just connect with them uh, through that medium. What's the, uh, 
what are the common uh, uh, ways that you have to support your sales teams in making those those videos? So, you know, is, if someone had never made a video before, how would you coach them through to uh, improve the quality? Yeah, there's a lot of education that goes into that um, just because you know, these people maybe have never used video before. We're, we're seeing as, you know, over the last year, as people have worked remote, people are getting more and more accustomed to being with video, but there are still, you know, people who have never used video before. Uh, they are also people who maybe don't feel comfortable on camera. So there's a lot of education that goes into it, you know, tips and tricks on how to get their lighting right, their audio right, uh, just the general best practices so that they look good in the video that they're providing. And then also sort of, almost like a performance coach, offering tips and guidance to get them to uh, feel more comfortable on camera and deliver a message that is you know, really concise and well put together. Uh, because the last thing you'd want to do is send out a video that isn't representative of the company, the brand, or even the person who's making it, what they want to convey to that customer. So you know, through education, through practice, uh, you know, we really try to help them get to where they need to be with video. Uh, and then also, you know, for some of them, we're also helping with support in terms of developing uh, scripts or content that they can use within the video just to make it a little bit more dynamic and support that the messages that they have. Have you created within your organization anything like a video center of excellence? Uh, you know, I've heard other uh, organizations call them video wikis. Uh, I've heard them as uh, a video single source of truth. Do you have anything like that? Yeah, we, I love that term video center of excellence. I, you know, I wouldn't say we necessarily have that in a, a broad scope. Um, you know, from our, our team, you know, we manage all of the video content. So, you know, we we kind of serve as that. We are we're advocates for video marketing. We support in terms of you know guidance across the production process as well as development and helping define the the tools to enable people to create videos on their own. And then we also equipped some teams within our our kind of little marketing group with the ability to do these quick videos like we were just describing, where it was one-on-one -on -one, uh, your type of video where you just quick pull up the camera on your computer and record it. Uh, we've equipped them to be able to record messages uh, on their own to send those out. So they kind of serve as uh, another arm of video marketing uh, for those quick form, you know, really personal messages uh, to help take time away from you know, the salespeople who are really busy and in meetings all day these individuals can record these videos, be almost like thought leaders and share that information out there um, you know, to the customers or to whoever the end user is of the video. Do you use, uh, or how much do you use teleprompters uh, within uh, your uh, more polished video production? Uh, and is do you find them a blessing or a curse? Teleprompters, that's, uh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, Teleprompters are great and they're awful at the same time. They're great because you can have a really polished message written out, uh, but if you're not good at reading on a teleprompter, then it, you know, it comes off really stoic and it doesn't come off genuine and natural. And your message is just, it doesn't resonate as well with the audience. So a lot of times for you know, the production, higher end production work, we do have teleprompters just because the messaging has to be very specific and on point, uh, both from you know, a communication perspective, but also in many cases, a legal perspective. So in those cases, we're, you know, we're using teleprompter. 
for the more personal messages, we try to get people off of the teleprompter, be a little bit more genuine, and just speak from the heart of how they would normally talk to a customer face-to-face if they were to meet them at an event or in person at a networking activity. How would you, what would you recommend people do when it comes to writing for a teleprompter? Because as you were saying, one of the problems that uh, typically you get will, because the message has to go through legal first, then you get someone who is uh, used to writing in legal speak, which is again, completely opposite to how we speak uh, in using the spoken word. Uh, Have you got any tips on that? Yeah. So I would say the most basic tip that we say is read it out loud at least five times. I know if even if it's a long script, uh, you know, just read it aloud, especially the person who's going to be presenting it. It's always uh, really glaring when somebody shows up and hasn't read it before as they're trying to get through the script the first time, uh, you know, looking at it. Because anytime you read a script for the first time, you're not 100 percent sure where the inflections are, uh, you know, where you should convey different things, different facial expressions. So I say read through it out loud. Uh, The reason you want to do it out loud is because sometimes when you say something out loud, it sounds different than if you read it in your mind, like you'd be reading a book or anything like that. So that's one of the best practices to kind of double check the script. But I would also say, you know, as you're writing a script, think about it being more conversational, shorter sentences, uh, you know, trying to avoid really long run-ons or any terminology, if, if you can, uh, that's jargon or, uh, you know, speaks to more of a written form. A lot of people talk with more conversational, casual, casual words. So we try to incorporate those in the scripts just to feel more natural. And then also looking at transitions in the script. You know, a lot of times people say so or but and as, to, as they kind of transition between thoughts. So adding those into the script where you normally wouldn't put that from a grammar perspective, uh, that really helps just make it sound more natural on camera. And then the last, last little thing is just avoiding things where, you know, instead of saying you have, say you've, because that's what you're going to do typically when you're talking uh, to somebody face to face. So just those little things uh, as you go through a script, making it more conversational uh, is ultimately the key when you're writing a script for the teleprompter. How much have you seen video production change in the amount of video in the time that you've been working in video? So, I mean, in, in, in simplest terms, is video growing? Absolutely. Yeah. Video is growing significantly and that's across all different facets of, you know, styles and tactics. So, you know, we've seen, you know, double digit growth in terms of the number of explainer videos we're creating. Uh, We've seen significant growth in corporate communications. And then that's not even including all of the videos that people are recording on their own uh, in these kind of personalized videos that are sent out to customers. You know, we don't even have a full total count of those. So, uh, you know, it's significantly growing. And just over the past year, even the last five months, we've seen significant growth as people are trying to communicate in this hybrid environment we're in. Is this certain types of video that you uh, personally or other members in your production team would like to see the average employee to be able to increase their skills a little bit to be able to take that workload off you? So it's probably more of the mundane work, but is, but is there scope for, for, for that, for, for the uh, average employee to uh, take over some of this load of video production? Yeah, I think, you know, 
it's a tricky topic in terms of the average employee because I think you know there is training that's involved with developing video. I think anybody can figure it out, and we have the tool sets in our hand. We we can do it on a smartphone. You can do it on a computer. Um, I do think it, you know as a large organization, ultimately it's it's good to have a little bit of centralization with the videos just to ensure you know from a brand messaging perspective from a communications perspective uh from a legal perspective that the messages that are going out are you know correct they're approved uh so i think in terms of that it's nice to have kind of that centralized approach i think you know businesses should be looking at growing those internal teams to be able to support with it so that your sales folks can focus more on selling, which is what their day job is, and let the editors you know, be able to do that on their own, uh, not to take away from the selling time uh, that a salesperson has to do. Because I think time is one of the biggest challenges people have. They're like, I'd love to record a video. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And then the day goes by, they're in meetings all day, they're catching up on emails late at night suddenly it's the next day and they're doing the exact same thing. So trying to build that time into their schedules ultimately becomes a barrier to getting those videos completed and out. So having those dedicated resources are, are great. And I think, you know, in terms of the basic level skill set that you're talking to, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be somebody who is, uh, you know, highly specialized. That could be somebody who is more of a generalist in editing and marketing and communications, and they can take on those tax tactics for, uh, for employees and communications. Um, the only other thing that I would add to it for kind of the everyday employee is these personalized videos. I think anyone can record that on their own and create thought leadership on their own. There's not a lot of editing that goes into it. You turn the camera on, you talk for two to three minutes and you turn it off, trim the beginning and end, which you can do in most, you know, video hosting platforms now, YouTube, Vimeo, uh, even Vidyard. So I think, you know, for those types of projects, uh, that can fall on uh, the average employee and then have the specializations uh, for the more production uh, implementation work. If there was one thing that you could say to anybody at any level, whether it's a uh, talent who's going to be on camera, uh, whether it's someone in the pre-production process, uh, that would make your life easier. So is there one thing that bugs you all the time? And if uh, people out there could just understand this, the whole process would go a whole lot easier. Yeah, I, and I think it goes back to the, the talent or the person who is, is presenting, uh, specifically back to your teleprompter question. You know, I think in terms of an ideal scenario, uh, the best situation would be if, you know, people who come to present are extremely prepared, they're feeling very confident, conversational, genuine, and can just talk off the cuff in a really casual way that comes across on camera really well, that ultimately saves the entire production process because you're not trying to have to uh, cut away to B-roll to hide edits. Um, you know, they're really engaging on camera, makes, makes people want to watch and helps the analytics and the ultimate ROI of the video uh, and really just makes the ultimate outcome better. I think, you know, the biggest thing we get back from a video in terms of a change is if somebody watches themselves on camera, and they're like, I don't really like myself on camera. Uh, that really kind of puts an impenitence to the uh, the process because you have to go back and re-record or make edits accordingly. So uh, removing that obstacle and getting people comfortable on camera would be the most ideal scenario uh, to expedite and just really help video production flow smoothly. 
Uh, ego is a very interesting thing, isn't it? And because everyone thinks that they're, uh, uh, I'm, I'm a natural, I'm okay at uh, presenting on video. I don't do it all the time, but I've got this until you actually, uh, you know, press the red button and roll. Uh, and then they realize very, very quickly that, that they're, they're, they're not. So yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting how much ego can actually uh, cost uh, the the production, like you were saying, having to go back and re-record. Yeah, exactly. That that red button strikes fear in many people. As soon as it's pushed, uh, you see people lock up. You see the nerves kick in, uh, and the person you were just talking to, who is super personable and, and exciting to talk to a second ago, now all of a sudden becomes really stiff because of the the red button. So you know, trying to get past that fear of being on camera, and I, you know, I think it's helping with more Zoom calls and things like that. People are becoming more accustomed to it, uh, but it does it does impact the process when. Uh, the person who is really driving the main content because they're the person on camera uh, is, isn't ready for those those moments. So Eric, if people want to get in contact with you, where can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. You can uh, contact me on LinkedIn. Um, my LinkedIn, I'm not sure, maybe can you put like a link or something? Yeah, yeah, I'll put a link in there. there. Perfect. Yeah, if you can contact me on LinkedIn, that would be perfect. Um, that's the best way to get a hold of me. Hey, Eric, uh, thanks for your time. I've enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Julian. I appreciate it.